RadioInfluence.com. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome into the February 5th, 2023 episode of the MMA Report podcast. I am Jason Floyd. It is the interview edition of the podcast as I've got a pair of fire interviews. As you're going to hear from one man who's going to be looking to claim a title at Lights Out Championship 10. And you're going to hear from another man that is going to have his second professional fight at LFA 153. The first interview you're going to hear here in a little bit is with Adrian Harjabay, who's going to be looking to claim the Lights Out Championship Super Welterweight title, a title that is vacant right now, taking on Eric Lozano. I had a chance to catch up with Adrian and talk to him about his mixed martial arts journey, you know, coming to the United States early on, fighting in Bellator. Now he's got this matchup that he's hope will lead to an opportunity inside the UFC octagon. And then you're going to hear from a man who was a college wrestler at Purdue University. He was a three-time NCAA championship qualifier in 2019, 2020, and 2021. That is Griffin. Periata has a chance to catch up with Griffin, talk to him about uh, his journey from college athletics into the mixed martial arts arena training there at the academy up in Minnesota under Greg Nelson. So you hear those interviews come here later on in the show, but uh, one of open up this edition of the show by talking about what we saw last night at Bellator 290 UFC Vegas 68 watched the entire Bellator card live I did not watch the entire UFC card live as the the Bellator card ended I was like yep I'm going to bed and actually spent this morning going there and watching UFC Vegas 68, Sergey Spivak looking tremendous in the main event against Derek Lewis. Dana White saying after the fights are over that uh, he is not getting out of the Derek Lewis business. As uh, you know, as uh, before I, as I was watching that fight, I'm writing down notes, and one of the notes I, I wrote about was wondering if it was last time we see Derek Lewis in the UFC. That Dana at the post fight press conference saying, "I love him. He's not going anywhere." Derek Lewis now has now lost three in a row. Over Sergey Spivak, man, he just looked absolutely amazing. What he was able to go out there uh, and do. Uh, give kudos to uh, Devin Clark going out there and getting to say unanimous decision win. Uh, Dude, Ho Choi and Kyle Nelson. They fight to a draw a point deduction coming there in the third round with what about 90 seconds left to go after uh, in that matchup. And following during his post fight press conference, Dana White was asked about his opinions about that point deduction by Chris Honey, the referee, and just kind of that, that fight in general. Did you think that point deduction was warranted with the headbutt in the line? Absolutely not. I thought it was insane and it cost him the fight. I paid him his win money. He won that fight, so I paid him. Awesome. Dana, because it was a fun fight and they had the back and forth, do you try to reschedule Nelson and, and Superboy, or you just walk away from that and just don't even bother with a rematch? No. I, and and, and my, listen, it was a tough fight for those guys. But in my opinion, you know, Troy won the fight, and, you know, sometimes the, uh, you know, the refereeing or judging isn't perfect. So, yeah. Sometimes I, you know, 
do what I can do, take it in my own hands. And, you know, I, I felt like that kid, that kid got robbed on that ridiculous call. Now, look, I would agree with what Dana White said there in terms of judging a refereeing is not perfect. We saw some incidents of that on the Bellator car with the Darren Caldwell fight. I thought Darren Caldwell won that fight two rounds to one. The judges do not give it him his way. Uh, they have him losing two of the three rounds. But the one thing, and, I, and this is a, what I wrote in my notes on that fight, no issue point deduction for Troy. Liked how the referee worked the replay process. And what I mean by that, if you've not gone back and, and watched that fight in the third round, I mean, look, it's it, it's a headbutt. It, it's a clear illegal strike. There's no question about what I enjoyed about and, and what I liked about the process was you hear or you see Chris Ioni having it up on, the, on the, the monitor. And he's like, hey, let's play that back again. So I like the process. And this is how instant replay should work in our sport. It sucks for Duho Choi that it goes the way it does but you know i don't have an issue with a point deduction there because it was an illegal strike i mean you can't deny that fact but uh you know dana white's gonna be like dana white's gonna be dana white we all we all know how that is going to be there uh some of the other notes from uh, the ufc card how about adam fugat who we had on the podcast uh you know, two weeks ago going out there getting a first round victory there a uh, nice ground and pound there to get the victory there in the final minute of the opening round of course you also had the road to ufc uh finals man nakamura uh and kazama if you did not see that matchup it only lasts 33 seconds and boy those those guys like the, like to use the old rampage jackson line they were throwing them bungalows out there with what they did also uh how about i give some credit to Junyoung Park, what he was able to do against Tulan. He looked great. Uh, Tatsutara, he also looked great in that one. So uh, I, I spent my morning going back and watching that one. And then, of course, last night, I watched Bellator 290. And, uh, you know, I tweeted about this after the fact of, you know, or right before uh, the fight was over is, is, you know, we all, I think as combat sports fans, we all in some way were rooting for Fedor Emelianenko to go out there and win that matchup. But we just knew that the, the reality was that likely was not going to go the way. And, you know, really, as that fight started, I just, I didn't like the way Fedor looked. I I, I mean, look, I, I use this analogy all the time, but I just thought Father Time had really hit Fedor Emelianenko. And Ryan Bader, kudos what he went out there and did. And uh, it's an end of era. Great picture that, that Bellator had with all those legends in the cage with Fedor after the fight is over. And I mean, you look at the past couple weeks truly the the end of an era with you know Fedor losing last night retiring Shogun losing a couple weeks ago and retiring and uh, for Ryan Bader it's gonna be interesting to kind of see what they do with him next I would imagine I would think that if the winner of Lint, the winner of Linton Vassell and Valentin Moldovsky, which is next month, I would imagine that they're going to get the winner there of Ryan Bader. But, uh, you know, for Fedor, it's just, you know, it, it had become that time. I mean, there's there's no question about it. I thought he, you, you just really saw the age there. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, we... We all want to see a storybook ending in this sport, but unfortunately, the sport just doesn't end this way. It's on rare exceptions. Do you see fighters go out on top? And, you know, the most recent, you know, exceptions of that are Habib Nurmagomedov and George St. Pierre. So hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll see what, uh, you know, Fedor does in his retirement. I, I know one of my followers on Twitter basically thought that maybe this wasn't going to be retirement for him, but I got to imagine this is the last time we see Fedor and Milianenko inside MMA competition. Johnny Eblen goes out there and looks tremendous against Anatoly Tokov. And uh, Scott Coker was asked about Johnny Eblen after the fight was over. Your middleweight champion, Johnny Eblen. Um, what do you think of his performance and where he stands in the world right now at 185 pounds? I mean, I think he's, I think he's the best uh, light heavyweight in the planet. 
and that guy is so talented. I think you're just seeing the beginning of this kid. And when he when he fought Gegard, I said, "Wow, he got my attention," you know. And then tonight he got my attention because you know he, his opponent was no joke. That guy is tough, and he just kept grinding him and grinding him and grinding him and just you know working him. And he he broke him down basically to a guy that I really didn't think to break him down was possible. So. Hats off to Johnny Eblen, man. He's he's going to do a lot of great things in the sport. Yeah, Johnny Eblen has just looked absolutely tremendous in his last two fights, winning the title against Gegard Mousasi. Now this dominating victory over Tokov. And obviously, Scott Cooker misspeaking there, calling him a heavyweight. Obviously, he meant that he is a middleweight. But, you know, as the fight ended, I went over to fight metrics to look at their world middleweight rankings. And, I mean, look, some people may take issue with what Scott Coker said there, calling Johnny Eblin the best middleweight in the world. But, of course, I expect Scott Coker to do that. That's his guy. He's going to, you know, push up his guy. But, you know, so I was looking at the top 10 at uh, middleweight by fight metrics. So they have one Alex Bahia, two Israel Adesanya, three Robert Whitaker, four Jed Karanir, five Hamzat Shemaev, six Johnny Eblin, seven Marvin Vittori, eight Derek Brunson, nine Gegard Mousasi. And number 10, Sean Strickland. And the question to me is, I think clearly he's a top five guy. You know, looking at who Fight Metrics has in the top five, I would not put Hamzat Shemaev at top five at 185 pounds based on his resume. When you're talking about his 185-pound wins in the UFC, they're against Gerald Mershart and John Phillips. Doesn't have the resume of a top five fighter, but obviously the potential and the ceiling is clearly for him to be there. So I would have Johnny Eblin. I'd put him at number four right now behind Pehea, Adansanya, and Whitaker. Now, if you told me Johnny Eblin was to take on those three guys, I think Johnny Eblin would probably be a betting favorite against Alex Pehea because of his overall skill set and his grappling. I don't think he'd be a favorite over Izzy, and my guess would be... He might be a favorite against Whitaker, but Whitaker may be a slight favorite in that one. But if you told me, like, I, if you say Johnny Edwin's the best 185-pound fighter in the world, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that right now. But if you sit there and said he's a top three 185-pound fighter, I'd probably say he is. He is top three, top four. He is right in that mix, and it's going to be interesting to kind of see uh, what happens with him next. Potentially could be Gegard Musasi. Musasi's got that matchup coming up in May. Against Edwards, my expectation would be the winner of that matchup is going to go on to take on Johnny Eblen. And Gegard is one of these guys, but I don't know why it is. I just kind of feel like he is a guy that does not get the credit he deserves overall when we talk about his overall body of work in mixed martial arts. Uh, also at Bellator 290, Brandon Ward, Bahamasi fight lives absolutely up to the hype. Brandon Ward goes out there and gets the win. His post-fight interview uh, mentions the fact of looking for a title match matchup if not he said he would go up to 85 to take on hercules which he's talking about dalton ross and scott coker was asked about brand ward at the post-fight press conference brand ward has been calling for a dalton rasta fight dalton rasta said he accepts it is up a division but um is that a fight that you would entertain you know, I'll tell you, uh, I watched uh, the Ward fight, and uh, I thought he did a great job. I, I didn't think Brandon could kick to the head that, that high. <laughs> but, you know, he's a great puncher and, and great wrestler. Um, I'd say let's go back and, 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 and meet with my fight team and then reshuffle the deck and, and see what we come out with. But, you know, I, I'm so happy for him on a personal level because about a year and a half ago when he wanted to come back, he was going through a lot of turmoil in his life. And 
you know, a lot of people turned their back on him. And, and he and I sat down up in the stands at the Morgan Sun in one of the fights. We just had a heart a heart to heart conversation. And I, I I said, look, you know, you gotta you gotta keep it together. And 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 he has. And this is very important to him. And and you can tell how hard he trained for this fight. I mean, he was in great shape. So he's doing his part now. And you know, I want him to keep keep on that path. And I think if he does, you know, good things will happen for him. And just like Scott Co- Scott Cooker said there, Brandon War Brandon War looked absolutely amazing uh, last night and go out there and for, on the Sabah Hamasi thing. I remember last time I did an interview Sabah, he kind of noted that his days at 170 pounds were probably coming to an end. So I'd be surprised if we see Sabah at 170 uh, in his next matchup. I kind of think he's going to go to 185 now. After that fight was over, I tweeted, interesting here, Ward mentioned a middleweight bout against Dalton Ross. Greg Rubello, who's one of his coaches, uh, responds to me, no, 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 no. And so I didn't respond to him with just this, hmm, gif. Uh, and then he responds, staying at 170 pounds. So obviously there's got to be some type of backstory there between Brent Ward and Dalton Rasta, but uh, Brent Ward, kudos to him. Uh, speaking about uh, now on the preliminary card, the dogs were a bark. And when we're talking about betting underdogs, Lorenz Larkin, just a devastating uh, elbow knockout that he had. Henry Corrales, a, a plus 470 betting underdog going out there and getting a win over Magomedov. Uh, Chris, Chris Gonzalez was a favorite king that went there against Max Roshkoff. Uh, beautiful uh, transition on the ground to get off his feet and then knocking out Max. Grant Neal is a slight underdog, gets a split decision win. Uh, Diana is a slight underdog, gets a split decision win. Um, and, and I mentioned about earlier the Nikita and Darren Caldwell fight. I thought Darren Caldwell won that fight two rounds to one, but the, the judges uh, scored it two rounds to one for Nikita. Didn't really agree with that one. Uh, also, uh, Jalen Bates scoring an upset against Jordan Aluga. I want to say Jalen Bates was like a three to one betting underdog in that one, winning a split decision. Also, uh, Neiman Gracie. Goes out there and get a win. Uh, Ali Asif and Steve Mallory go to a draw, which uh, probably the, the one of the more interesting notes about that fight, outside of the fact of Steve Mallory um, just brutalizing uh, Ali in that second round. And I was really floored that Herb Dean did not stop that fight. And to me, I, I think Herb over the past year or so really has, has lost that quick trigger and he's letting a lot of things go. But there was this video that the Bellator production staff had of, of the Ali corner a uh, little altercation between the coaches not, not sure exactly what it was about but a commission rep had to get in the middle of two of the coaches maybe that was something along the lines of maybe one coach maybe one to throw in the towel maybe another one did it also I thought in that fight that maybe uh maybe big John McCarthy threw a little bit of a dagger at the PFL talking about Ali being uh, their heavyweight champion from 2019. I thought maybe he threw a little bit of a dagger there uh one other thing that I'm going to mention when it comes to what Scott Coker said after the fight, it was at the very end of the post-fight press conference. He shared this story about uh, how Burt Watson ended up working with Bellator. There was a time in the company and we were doing fights in a closed environment, right? So at the Morgan Sun and I'm sitting there and I'm watching our team work and, and the operations team. And I've, all, I've known Bert for a while. We've talked and we could, we could never just really get on the same page and, you know, and, and work something out. But I've always loved him because I just love his energy and he's like a bolt of lightning, you know? And, um, and so I sit there in, in, in the Morgan Sun and I'm going, you know, this, this is really like a, uh, a moment in time that 
it's not good because fighters are fighting where there's no audience, right? Fighters need the fans, right? Fans need the sport, right? Fans need to be there live too. And and I said, this is not good. I, I need something to, to, to pump these guys up. And I said, but let me think about it. I started thinking about like what I could do. And then my phone rang, right? I look over it and it was Bert. I said, this is the guy. This this is this is this is the guy. This is this happened for a reason, right? So I say, Bert, you're an angel because I need you to come to the Morning Sun next week. We want to make a deal with you. I need you to fire these guys up, and I need you to because really it was like a fighting in a spiritless venue because there's nobody there, right? And you have some great fights. I mean, you have MVP fighting. You have Bader fighting Nemkov in a close, and there's nobody there. It's like ten people besides officials. So. That's that's how we made a deal, and I said, "Man, Bert, you got to come. I, I need your I need your your electricity and your and your spirit, and we gotta we gotta jolt these guys." And he, they didn't they didn't know he was coming. No one knew, and so he showed up, and he has got he's got those guys fired up, and 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 we've been working ever ever since. So that's my story with Bert. Great story there from Scott Coker talking about Burt Watson uh, coming to work for Bellator. Uh, you know, you always kind of love hearing those kind of stories of how things kind of goes around. Uh, some other notes I'll have uh, in terms of things that happened over the past couple of days. Uh, yesterday morning, I'm literally I'm sitting at, at uh, one of the properties I work with and I just I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see UFC breaking news. And the breaking news is that Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler are going to coach this season of the Ultimate fighter uh the rumor is it's a lightweight season uh air hawani uh is reporting that connor and Chandler are going to fight at welterweight when the season is over at the post-fight press conference dana white didn't offer any details um about in terms of the timeline for these two guys to face off did not note what weight class it would be at uh, but he did say that the coach will be getting to las vegas the day after the super bowl of course uh one of the the talking points yesterday when this fight was announced is the fact that conor mcgregor still is not in the USADA drug testing program. If he gets into it right now, uh, the, he would have to wait six months before he's eligible to fight, which would be right there beginning of August. And, uh, you know, you got to kind of imagine that this is probably a fight that I would imagine. Um, I know I want to say Dana said that the season's going to run through August the 15th. He did note that this season will be on ESPN. Of course, the previous seasons uh, have been on ESPN Plus in the ESPN era of the UFC. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, also, uh, you know, in that video yesterday, Dana White announcing that Sean O'Malley has signed a new eight fight deal with the promotion, which that tells me that a fight announcement is likely coming very soon with him. Uh, also uh, on the Bellator, Scott, uh, during that post fight press conference, Scott Coker did hint that a fight announcement, a date coming for Stotts and Mix is coming here in the very near future. The other note I have before we get into the interviews, and I noticed this watching the Bellator broadcast live Last night is, you know, I, I think whether we're talking about UFC or I think we're talking about sports in general, how much betting is integrated into the broadcast, no matter whether we're watching the UFC or we're watching what other type of sports programming, whether it's a commercial, whatnot. The thing that I really noticed by watching the Bellator broadcast is there's just zero mention of betting, which I thought was pretty interesting. And now maybe that has more to do with the fact that maybe they don't have a, a betting uh, advertiser at this point, but I, I just thought it was something that I found pretty interesting with that one. But let's get right into the interviews. Up first, you're hearing the conversation I had with Adrian, and then you're going to hear the conversation I had with Griffin. 
Joining me now here on the MMA Report, a man is going to be fighting for the Lights Out Vacant Super Welterweight title. Come here, Lights Out Championship, number 10, Adrian. Uh, appreciate the time. Obviously, you, you've been at this this game for a long time, and, and martial arts, it's a lifestyle for you. You, you. So at what age does martial arts enter your life? So I started martial arts, karate, back in Albania when I was six years old. Now I'm at 32, I never stopped doing that. And uh, I, I have my own gym too, when I teach kids, you know, I wanna make them world champions one day too. So I think it's gonna be ongoing like lifestyle, you know, so. I've talked to other fighters who teach uh, kids classes at their gym, whether, you know, it's their gym or, you know, they work at a gym, whatnot. And, and they talk about, it, it makes you realize how important fundamentals are in martial arts is that your biggest takeaway of coaching kids uh always like first like makes you like a, gives you like great experience like teaching especially like in my program um i have uh, as soon as uh, the kids get that black belt they have opportunity to teach it's like very great you know like for them like to teach and know that knowledge so one day when they go to school you know like university they have that uh, the confidence of teaching on being out there and besides that martial art is one of the best you know like uh, education sport and everything so like to leave something behind you know in this life is like something the most important you know like has is impacted my life so how do you at what point do you come to the united states from albania so i moved here uh, 2011 it's been like over 10 years uh, I was a national champion there in karate for a national team, you know, like in Olympic levels, uh, got medals in uh, European championship and world uh, ranked. So uh, it was that point when uh, I was getting a lot of uh, results and stuff. And I want to like, hey, I want to like, I want to test my, myself like what is next, you know, what's the highest. So that was the goal, like moving to the United States and achieving the dream, you know? So, yeah, so I moved to 2011, started doing like some training, more like the ground game because uh, coming from background of like striking karate, so it wasn't a problem, you know, to stand with anyone, you know? So I got that grappling game in 2012. I started some amateur fights and I couldn't wait to get professional, you know, and then and, and fight in the big leagues after that. In terms of life adjustments from Albania to the United States, what was like the biggest adjustment that you had to make once you started living in the United States? So the biggest adjustment was like, was everything, you know, you're like, you're just going to like a different continent, you know, this huge, you know, land of opportunities. And, uh, I came with straight mind focused that, uh, uh, to you know to achieve you know and my main thing was like uh like fighting you know the training so but everything was everything was a change you know like and doing like mixed martial arts and fighting mma was a different sport than karate so like every time you step in that cage is a lot to you know a lot to lose you know like you always you know you have your, your you know your life in the line so like the preparation was like different different from like a regular like fighting uh, uh, 
karate combat. So, but like as you think about what your mindset was in a karate competition, as opposed to what it is for an MMA competition, are there some similarities of just kind of how you you look at the match? So, uh, MMA is like so uh, in MMA it's like you have like different for example like ground game for me was new so it wasn't like part of my game at all so and uh, of course you know you feel different so like in karate it was like I was best at it you know I know what to do what to expect but this was like something completely I wasn't used to you know like I never did like wrestling in my life you know and but good thing you know our karate has those uh, judo throws and and blocks so this has helped me a lot through my mma career and uh, so that's why i was my only focus like as, as soon as i moved here like doing my grappling game you know i was hating in the beginning but it was something <laughs> like you know you need to you know that's how you're gonna defend yourself if you get caught in uh, that position and then after that starting like liking it and training and and becoming like well-rounded fighter was like you know like it was was great you know like seeing that you hear fighters talk about being able to blend all forms of martial arts together inside a fight um how how long do you did it do you feel like it took you to be able to blend everything together from your striking base into pairing it up with with the grappling side of the game so i so it's never enough you know like and especially in this sport you can never feel comfortable because as soon as like not just in sport but in everything general as soon as you feel comfortable on something that's where you're gonna mess up you know so uh i will suggest for everyone to be cautious for everything you know like it's it's always always something to learn you know like every time so as soon as you think oh i'm done i got this that's where you're gonna mess up you know like like you know and i seen that with my experience in my life you know as soon as like i think oh i got this that's where you mess up as soon as you you have that confidence that's where something's gonna happen, you know, like make you realize, you know what, it's, it's more to learn and more to come always. And of course, now you got this title matchup here. I know if uh, people go over your Instagram, uh, the Eagle MMA on, on IG, uh, you know, it, you know, time, it, you know, time to get that third belt. Uh, you got this welterweight, uh, super welterweight title here against Eric Lozano. Uh, I know uh, Corey Tapology is supposed to take place back in November. Unfortunately, that one did not come together. So it's been about eight months since you've been inside competition. Like, do you, do you feel like it's been that long? So, like, I'm constantly like, you know training every day teaching so like i'm in a you know like in a game every day so like <laughs> and sparring and but i really was you know missing it you know and especially i had like a, some rough years you know the past uh, because of some injuries that you know really like put me behind mm -hmm. but uh it's it's really like you know i want like this year to be like my year and it's like really that uh, comeback i was always like preparing to come so so yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm like, you know, you know, sometimes like you feel like, oh, uh, you know, I have to fight for this and that, but I'm really going this time because I really want to enjoy it. I really want to, you know, fight, you know, like uh, so so I think uh, that's a good reason, you know, like to really be be in on it. I mean, I know there's like this this cliché question of like why do you fight? You know, and and some some guys will say I just love it. 
some will say, look, uh, it's about getting money. Well, why do you fight? So, like, honestly, in this point of my life, uh, I really don't need to, like, really fight, like, for money and fame. And, you know, like, it's, like, my straight-up uh, reason is, like, I really think I'm good at it. And... Uh, I enjoy it, so that's the only reason. Because I have like the whole reason in the world right now to not fight at all, you know. Uh, Health-wise, financially, family, everything, you know. So like I'm in a good, good, really comfortable spot. So like I don't, you know, it's not that reason that I want to go there, but it's the reason that I am a true martial artist. I started martial arts six years old, and uh, seeing all the achievements over 25 years and during the MMA career too. I think, uh, you know, I should be there with the best in the world right now, you know? And I think it, I'm a few, few years back, but uh, all these years, it's really like put me in mentally in like very good position, strong, uh, experienced. So I really think like, you know, I can, I can really hang with top fighters in the world right now. Like, is it, is it more about those competitive juices of like, that's, that's really what the, the drives you every day? Yeah, it's, it's different. It's, it's like, honestly, without having that, uh, that drive, like the life outside of it is like so simple, you know? So mm -hmm. like, I, I haven't seen myself, you know, like stopping or doing that, you know? So it really like, it drives me in different level and, I'm very, very lucky, not just me, but, you know, because uh, it's just few of us to, like, really reach this feeling, you know? Like, it's it's very few of us that really, like, you know, have that uh, amazing feeling, you know? So, it's we're, we're very fortunate and lucky about that. In terms of Eric Lozano, what has been the focus for the preparations for this fight? So, we're completely two different fighters. Um... I know exactly what he wants to like uh, achieve, you know, and I know exactly what I need to do to like to get this, you know, this job done. Uh, so we're we're really preparing about this fight. Actually, like we were scheduled to fight before. Mm -hmm. One time I uh, got hurt, got the surgery. Second time he got hurt, so it's like third, <laughs> third lucky charm of the fight. In terms of, you know, you mentioned about, you know, you have a thought process of what you want 2023 to be. Like, if if we're talking in December, where where do you think you are come December of this year? So, um, so my only thought is, and my only thing is, like, driving me, it's uh, the long-time wait to be a UFC fighter. That has been like uh, my dream since I moved to the United States. So that's going to be... Um, unfortunately, I wasn't lucky a few times because um, when my management, uh, top management Iridium, you know, they... Uh, after like, you know, I had the wins and stuff, they got me some uh, news fighting in UFC. But uh, when that happened, after my fight, I got the big surgery on my arm. If you see like, you know, the scars. Yeah. I or tendon, so he left me behind like eight months. So, and I couldn't uh, fight for short notice in UFC. That was like my time, but you know what? I'm like, 
maybe God has a better plans for me, you know, maybe like it was the right time. Maybe those mm -hmm. next few years is going to help me like prepare more, get ready. And uh, probably soon in the future, you know, I might be when, you know, when everything comes together, you know, so, so I'm waiting for that moment. And, but my job is to prepare and, you know, each fight at the time. So, and uh, I'll be opening with, uh, I'll be with my op open hands for the opportunities. We all know super welterweight is not a division inside the UFC. We do we do see it on, on the regional side. So, um, you know, what weight class do you see yourself in in the UFC? So, uh, my uh, original, my original uh, uh, weight weight fight it's uh, at fifty five one fifty five. That's where I'm like the most productive and fast and everything. So, uh, going to those big fights, you know, I'm gonna start like dropping down this is like more more likely like a catch-up like mm -hmm. you know uh, fight for me so and, and it's okay you know like i i like it especially when you fight after eight months you know like you gotta like like slowly cut down i don't wanna like you know beat up my body yeah. doing it that fast but um, that's gonna be like next the nickname the eagle who gave it to you so there was like the first thing um you know, like when somebody, you know, asks you or like, it's like the first thing comes in your mind. So like, I think it was meant to it. Like as soon as like I was getting into MMA world and stuff. And the next thing was a nickname. So like the Eagle was the first thing came in my mind because it means a lot in the Albanian culture. So we are a place with a lot of mountains and, um, and and Albania means like uh, like uh, flying eagles, like meaning of the. So like, like all of Albanians like are like known for like you know eagles and calling themselves around. So like, that was like the first uh, name that came up to my uh, uh, my mind, and then that's that's it. So and it's it's very, I'm very lucky. It's a very nice nickname. Awesome, awesome. Of course, everyone's going to see your fight here. Lights out championship number 10, super welterweight title on the line here. Adrian, I appreciate time. Of course, uh, let me know they can follow on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? So I uh, I really want to thank you for giving me this opportunity and talk about it. And uh, I really want to thank uh, all my family, uh, my supporters, all this three, all these years. You know, it's been like through hell of the years, all these times. And uh and I have like all the biggest crowd in the state, you know, they come, we have fun. So I'm hoping, you know, this time, you know, we'll achieve the same thing, same feeling, and hopefully in UFC soon. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man's going to have his second professional fight here. LFA 153 is coming up here on February the 17th. Of course, LFA exclusive there on UFC Fight Pass. Griffin, uh, appreciate the time. Uh, wrestling is obviously the background here from your time at, at Purdue. I was I was actually over at the Purdue website kind of reading about a bunch of your credentials of all your time there. Like, as you think about your time with Purdue wrestling team, like like how do you describe those four years? It was fun, a lot of work, a lot of injuries. I mean, college wrestling at the D1 level is a grind. Makes MMA to me look pretty easy, and it's been making it good transition. Um, wasn't really what I was expecting results-wise. I mean, I had some decent results, but not really what I wanted coming into college. Um, feel like I didn't really meet the expectations, which is kind of driving me to reach my ult uh, 
a goal here in MMA, kind of keep pushing and reach my potential. So as you're wrestling in college, was the mindset already on mixed martial arts as the next phase of your life? Towards the end, I was starting to get more excited about it. Um, I'd been wrestling since I was four years old. So, I mean, I was wrestling 100 matches a year at four years old, training year-round by nine, ten years old. So kind of started to become a grind here towards the end of the college college career and stuff, and I was looking forward to doing something different. So prior to making that transition, outside of wrestling, had you done any other combat sports, you know, any type of classes, you know, at some point? Uh, when I was in college here and there, I'd go to a jiu-jitsu gym just kind of in the summertime. But other than that, I would hit mitts here and there just as a workout, but mainly for wrestling, just keep my hands fast and in good shape and good, something different for cardio, but nothing, nothing major. How much of a difference is a cardio from talking about amateur wrestling to now mixed martial arts? Oh, amateur wrestling is a different beast when it comes to cardio. (laughs) Um, I'm sure we hear a lot of guys that don't come from a wrestling background. They're like, a lot of guys don't show up to the wrestling practices. They like to show up to the striking days and they try to avoid the wrestling practices because they know that's the hardest day of their week. But I'm kind of embracing it and it's been kind of an advantage for me. And of course, uh, training up there in Minnesota at the academy uh, was when you first stepped to, in, into the academy. Was it kind of like, okay, I know this is where I need to be? Yeah, the first day I didn't go to any classes. I kind of walked in, and they're like, "Yeah, we got we got sparring today." Um, so I went in later that evening and got pieced up a little bit, but it was fun. Kept coming back. Went with uh, John Castaneda, who's in the UFC, and he kind of showed me the way on the feet there that first day in terms of like that first day is is it kind of do you correlate to maybe you know early on in your life going to that wrestling room and just you know the 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 vets that had been there for a while just kind of uh you know showing you how it's done yeah i had kind of checked the ego at the door learning a new sport you know you come in thinking you're a d1 athlete but that's in a different sport ultimately so kind of walked in, try to be as humble as possible and just be willing to learn. And I feel like I've been doing that pretty good, especially in the areas that aren't grappling and stuff like that. You know, I was looking online. I couldn't find the pro debut, but, uh, you know, looking at topology, it only, it only lasts a little over two minutes. You get the arm trial choke submission there. Like what, what do you remember about your pro debut? Uh, I remember my first punch. I hit him with a pretty good overhand and he fell and I, I got that takedown and I was like, I was like, wow, that hit, that landed pretty good because in sparring and that we're not hitting full. So that was basically my first time I've ever been in a full on full on fist fight, and that was kind of surprising there. And another one was before we got going. I was like, oh, here we go. It's for, this will be interesting here because I've never been in a like full on fight like that. So it turned out to be worked out pretty well, although. Anyone who follows you on Instagram, um, I got a chuckle out of your, you, you, you post about the, the fight poster of your fight and the caption was simply, how should we put him to sleep? So is submission yeah. kind of, is that like, you know, cause like, you know, like some guys say, man, no, nah, man, I want to knock him out. Other guys will say, you know what? No, man, I literally want to make my opponent quit by tapping out to do a submission. So have you found yourself falling in love with the jiu-jitsu aspect of this? Oh, that or we can put him to sleep on the feet too. Uh, a little knockout and go to sleep for a little bit after that. But uh, I have been enjoying the jiu-jitsu. It's kind of – I've been falling into more submissions with the grappling, um, especially from the top position. 
But um, we can put him to sleep on the feet too, so wherever it goes. But I'll you, try to let the fans decide. I got someone asking for a head kick. Maybe we'll go that route. You know, obviously, with your wrestling pedigree, your opponent, and this is his pro debut, he's going to understand that. Do you look at that as a simple advantage of the fight of like, he's going to be so concerned about my wrestling that it's just going to leave so so many other places for me to take this fight? Yeah, I think anything time with the wrestling background, they have to respect the takedowns, um, and it just makes the striking that much easier. Um, I think of guys like Khabib when he was going against Connor. Um, Connor probably had a lot better pure striking, but when you just add in a couple fake takedowns here and there, they start respecting, and that's when he was able to drop him with that overhand. So kind of when you start to blend them all together, you might not be the best pure striker, but when you have, they have to respect the takedowns, it opens up the feet a lot. You know, you, you said a word that really stuck out to me, and it's a word you, you hear coaches talk about all the time, and that's blending. Like, a, as you think about, you know, where you're at blending-wise, like how, like, if, if the scale's, you know, 0 to 10, obviously 10, you, you're, you're mastering this blending thing. Where, where do you think you're at that scale right now at? I think pretty high. Um, I don't know if I can give it a number, but it's coming along really well. I'm not just a wrestler that's coming here just to lay on them. I'm coming in here to to put a beating on them. And I think that's what we're going to do here soon. Looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I think they're blending code. They're coming together. Good. I always talk about there's, you know, perception versus reality and they may not equal out at the end of the day. Like, do you kind of feel like that people are going to look at you and just have this perception of a wrestler and they just are not embracing the reality of you being a complete mixed martial artist? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think anytime there's a high level D one wrestler, a lot of guys, their whole focus becomes just stopping takedowns. Don't get taken down. Don't get taken down. Um, and it's nice to know I can go get a takedown if something start, starts to go wrong on the feed or go in around or something like that. So it's kind of nice to have that in the back pocket, but that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not just trying to take down people and lay on them. So they can keep thinking that, but we'll get them on the feet good then. In terms of uh, your goals for 2023, have you set any personal goals of, of things that you're hoping to accomplish this year? Yeah, I, had, uh, I've, I have a four-fight LFA contract. I'm through the one so far, so I'd like to finish out those three fights and be 4-0 through that, to finish up that LFA contract and then kind of see where it goes from there. Um, I know my management, they think they're, they're trying to go pretty fast with it, but not rush it. want to get some good cage experience in there and stuff like that. But I think if you can go 4-0 in LFA – starts to open up some doors. You know, the athlete aspect of you, you know, you, you hear about that in combat sports of, you know, hey, sometimes being patient is a good thing, you know, get, get you know, getting the right fights and getting the right amount of experience in. But there's also, like, I got to imagine the, the competitor in you is like, man, if I get an opportunity, I, I can't turn down an opportunity. Like, like how, how do you, or, or is that something you have to turn over to your coaches and say, hey, guys, I got to trust you guys that you're going to make the right decision for me. Yeah, I, I gotta I think I gotta start trusting, you know, the management and the coaches. They know they they've been around the game a long time. You know, they get a lot of guys in the UFC. Um, Coach Greg Nelson's done had multiple UFC champions out of the academy. Um, so I'm kind of just I just turn that stuff over to them, and when it's time to go, they'll let me know when it's time for the big show. But I mean, I tr I've trained with guys, high level UFC guys, and I'm I'm right there. So I know I'm ready, but give it time, and we'll get there. Would you say Coach Greg is your hardest critic, or do you think it's you? I think it's me. Coach Nelson's not – he's pretty – he's a good-going guy. He's pretty friendly. So even if he's not thinking too much, he won't be 
criticize him too hard, but he's always there to give you proper proper technique and stuff like that. He what he's doing. He's been around for a while. In terms of like to kind of get to a little bit of know about your personality, let's say uh, you walk into the gym tonight and, and they say you got control of the music. What's what are you putting on? Old school rap. Well, I mean, I like the old stuff. I mean, it's probably not that old to some people, but to me, it's kind of older. I mean, as somebody who's in my forties, you know, when, you know, I, I, I literally, like, if you looked at my uh, screen over here, I've been, I've got the Spotify nineties hip hop and R and B. There's probably some young, young people that I was like, who the hell is that? Yeah. More of like a early two thousands, mid two thousands rap. That was the old Eminem albums. I used to like those a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have a radio station down here. That was a throwback station. And, and I don't listen to a, a the traditional radio stations a lot yeah. these days, uh, especially that's, you know, I worked in radio for 20 years. Um, but, uh, but yeah, well, I, I'm a, I'm a throwback kind of guy. Um, you know, obviously during training camp, you got to kind of, uh, avoid maybe some of the foods you really want. Um, once you get this fight done over with, uh, are there some cheap meals that, uh, you know, you're partaking in? Yeah, I've been, uh, me and my girlfriend have been on the Indian kick, Indian food kick here recently. Um, so we probably go get some of that, but I think there's some fights coming up in April around here in Minnesota, Minnesota Sioux Falls. So it'll be a quick turnaround. So maybe after those, I'll take a little time off. Start, uh, I, I like the Chinese buffets. Those are always good. So Chinese and Indian food, pretty good to me. Uh, in terms of your opponent, obviously you're taking on someone who's making his pro debut. Um, you know, how do you kind of, in terms of the mindset of going into this fight, it, it, do you, do you look at it in a certain way? Oh, no, I think he's a pretty tough opponent. I think it's a step up for my last guy. Um, but I think that's intended by my management. Keep slowly mm-hmm. building up the guys. Um, I know he's got a wrestling background, but if that's his plan, he's in for a long night because he ain't taking me down. Um, he's a good five, five and one, six and one, something like that. But should be fun. Just looking forward to it. And, of course, it all goes down February 17th, LFA 153. Griffin, I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know they can find on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? All right, they can follow me on Instagram at gperiodmma. Um, should be a fun year, 2023. Good couple wins coming up here. And there you have my conversations with Adrian and Griffin. I appreciate both those men coming on this edition of the podcast to talk about their upcoming match. Of course, Adrian going to be fighting Eric Lozano for the vacant super welterweight title at lights out championship 10. I did find it kind of interesting. You talked about the fact that he was, will be looking to fight at 155 pounds. Uh, if that UFC offer does come his way, but it's also mentioned that he's kind of working his way down there. Then of course, talking to Griffin there, Second professional fight come up here at LFA 153. Won his pro debut via arm triangle choke back there in September. Training there at the academy. And, of course, a collegiate wrestler there at Purdue. So, very interesting to kind of see how he does develop. Did mention that uh, he has a four-fight deal with LFA. So, two more fights after this one with LFA. So, definitely a guy to pay attention to to see where he does develop from here. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day. Download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, new episodes come out every Sunday 
which is the interview edition of the show. Then the midweek edition comes out on Wednesday, where it's myself and Daniel Gavon talking about what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Of course, coming up on Wednesday's edition of the show, we're going to get you ready for UFC 284, Islam Ahachev taking on Alexander Volkanovsky. So we're talking about the number one, number two pound for pound fighters in the world going at it here on Saturday or Sunday morning over there in Perth. Um, it was uh, Dana White. Uh, I, I, I'm, I mean, look, I think people are going to crap on him about this, but it, it seems like he just kind of forgot what Islam's name was during the post-fight press conference there. And obviously over the past couple of days, there's been a lot of criticism directed at the UFC, the way this card has been promoted. But if you go over to the UFC YouTube channel, there's a ton of marketing that is uh, directed towards this fight card. Of course, they'll be fighting for the lightweight title, the co-main event, Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett fight fighting for the vacant, or excuse me, fighting for the interim featherweight title there. That, that should be a banger of a fight between those two guys. Really looking forward to Mahachev and Volkanovsky. You know, I think it was it was either on the last episode or, or the two weeks ago where me and Dane were kind of talking about, you know, all these pay-per-views that are coming up as we're going to have three UFC pay-per-views in 35 days and you know it's like which main event interests you the most and for me I think it is Mahachev and Volkanovsky you know if you say John Jones and and, and Cyril Gunn I've got no 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 argument there even if you says Leon Edwards uh, Kamaru Usman no argument there but for me just it, it to me it's Mahachev, Mahachev and, and Volkanovsky and of course you know kind of the, the way of breaking down that fight is going to be is whether or not Volkanovsky what what does he look like size wise compared to Mahachev that's to me is going to be very interesting you know when those guys face off this week there in Perth and, and particularly after the weigh-ins what, what do these guys look like size-wise next to each other and, and clearly the, the the question mark with that one is can Volkanovsky uh, contain or stop the grappling of Islam Mahachev Yarigas and Emmett man that that could be a five-round just striking war between those two guys but my gut feeling is say someone's going to get knocked out in that one, um, you know, look at the rest of the car. What kind of really intrigues me about this one is, is some of the, these guys who are up and coming in the UFC right now. And two fighters that stick out to me the most are, are on the pay-per-view. That'd be Jack Dowell, Matt Elena, And the other one is Jimmy Crew. Jimmy Crew, Alonzo Minifield. That, that's a nice little matchup there. Um, the other other front of the main card is Justin Toffa versus Parker Porter. I kind of feel like the UFC setting that up there. Uh, also, uh, Modestus Bukakis is back in the UFC after being cut. He's going to be taking on Tyson Pedro in this one. Also, uh, our guy Don Shane has had on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He'll be on their early prelims. He'll be taking on Jack Jenkins in that one. So, um, yeah, but to me, like looking at some of these fighters up and coming, I, I think the ones that really stick out to me would be Jack Della, Madalena, and Jimmy Crute. So, uh, you know, looking forward to that. Looking forward to chopping it up with Daniel coming up on Wednesday. I'm sure Daniel will kind of give some of his thoughts on what he saw happen last night. I know me and him were texting uh, during the Fedor matchup there. So, uh, look forward to chopping it up there. Of course, if you ever got any questions, topics, things you want to hear us talk about on the podcast, uh, you can shoot me a, a tweet. You can shoot me an Instagram DM. Of course, uh, my handles are both the same there, at Jason underscore Floyd. So, that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast. We can check out on your favorite podcasting platform and radioinfluence.com. 